Hello and good evening. Welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. And this is me, Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. I want to say hello especially to everyone listening by way of Anchor FM as well as um, Spotify and some of the other platforms that we're using here on Sunshine USA to get the gospel out. Amen. Well, um, tonight is a very special night. We begin our study of the final um, chapter in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Um, and that, of course, would bring to a conclusion our study of the book of Ephesians. But I was taking another look at Ephesians chapter 6 this afternoon during my study period. And, you know, there's so much good stuff here. I just don't know that it would be feasible to try to cover everything in Ephesians chapter 6 in a single uh, broadcast. I just don't know. Because uh, normally in these situations, I would like a little bit of time to review as well. So what we may do is cut this final chapter in half, do half of it on this broadcast, and then half of it on the next broadcast. We might do something like that. But uh, let's turn in our Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And here we read where Paul says, Children, Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Now, bearing in mind, even though Paul uses the term here, children, he's actually writing to adults. And one of the ways to take what he is saying here is that it applies even after you becoming an after you become an adult in other words uh, when you become 18 or 21 years old you don't cease to have a responsibility to obey your parents you have a duty and a responsibility to obey your parents i believe for as long as they're alive uh, first of all look at the wealth of wisdom that they have uh, let's say you've got elderly parents. Let's say your mom and dad are in their 60s, 70s, or 80s. Um, I guarantee you, folks, they have learned a lot over the years. And they would be more than happy to share that wisdom with you if you would only listen. But he does say, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, I want you to think about something else here. Why does the Bible seem to make such a big issue about children obeying their parents? Well, I believe it's possible that it's because our parents are the very first authority figure in our lives. Our parents are our very first authority figure in our lives. And if you don't learn how to successfully interact with your parents you're going to have a hard time in life in general and that's why it's important for you to obey your parents 
and learn really frankly to respect everyone in authority because later on you will have other authority figures in your life as a child you're gonna have teachers you're gonna have future employers there will be those in law enforcement there will be political leaders um, all kinds of people in your life will have varying degrees of authority over you and you learn to respect people and handle that authority by learning how to respect and benefit from interacting well with your parents he goes on to say in verse 2 honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life on the earth now that's a very significant statement there that Paul is making uh, back in biblical times it was considered <clears throat> a serious offense not to obey your parents And if you openly defied your parents or rebelled against your parents, it could very easily result in the death penalty, even though you were only a child. Which meant you would not live long on this earth if you didn't learn how to obey your parents. Now notice it also says here, honor your father and mother. Now, I am told by most biblical commentaries that I've conferred with, the word honor here is a financial term. That means that you and I as Christians have the responsibility, as long as our parents are alive, to help take care of them financially. Now, really, this is not an unreasonable request. I mean, when you consider all the money you're parents spent raising you and bringing you up in this old world for you to do the same for them is not asking too much but to honor your father and mother means or implies that to the degree that we're able we are to financially help take care of our parents in their old age now once again this is going to be up to your ability financially um, some adults have a lot of financial assets and they have great ability to take care of their parents financially others not so much but to the degree that you are able to do so the Bible is teaching here that we should make it a point to take care of our parents financially and materially in their old age once they have reached the point where they can no longer take care of themselves now this was especially important in Paul's day because you see in Paul's day there was no social security now here in the United States uh, we have something called social security in other words in my case I'm 66 years old I'll be 67 in August 
and every month I receive a monthly Social Security check. And it's very helpful. It helps me to support myself in my older age. Now, Paul, back in his day, they didn't have anything like that. Now, I'm aware of the fact, too, that we have listeners all over the world. Maybe your country has something similar to that. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But because of that, in Paul's day especially, it was so very important for kids to take care of their parents in their old age. Paul goes on to say, fathers. Now he uses the word fathers here because usually in Paul's day, Paul referred to fathers as the head of the home. They were in charge of discipline. And their wives were supposed to submit themselves to the leadership of their husbands. And so Paul says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Instead, Paul says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I think King James uses uh, the phraseology, uh, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In other words, parents have a duty and a responsibility to see to it that children are taught about God. You need to tell your kids all that God has done for you and how much God loves them and what God expects of us. Now this responsibility, I believe, includes the responsibility of seeing to it that children are brought up in church, that children are not just sent to church, but you've got parents coming to church with their children. And the church and the parents working together can teach the children about God and the things of God. I would suggest that you get your children a good children's Bible and instill in them at an early age a love affair for the reading and the studying of God's Word. Teach them that reading and studying God's Word is something that they are to do all the days of their life. Every day. Don't skip a day. Now Paul shifts gears a little bit. Now I indicated a while ago that parents are the first to fall... Uh, they are the first authority figure in our lives. The second type of authority figure in a child's life might very well be a school teacher and then later on employers. And so next, Paul is going to go on to talk about the relationship that we as Christians should have with an employer. Now he uses the word slaves here you could just as easily substitute the word employers. Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. 
and do this not only to please them while they are watching, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. In other words, you're going to do whatever they would have you do, whether they're watching or not. And you also need to take into consideration the fact that your employer is the way that God has chosen to meet your needs financially. Your employer has chosen to meet your needs financially through your employer in most cases. Now, it's especially good if you have a Christian employer. But some of you may very well have an employer who does not know the Lord. In that case, it may be God can use you to serve as a missionary to your employer, a missionary to your employer. That would be a very good idea. You can also serve as a missionary to all the lost, unsaved employees at the place where you work. Now, it is good here to remember that when you're on the job and you're on the clock, you need to be a productive employee. You need to be an employee who is working hard and doing the job that they're being paid to do. But always be on the lookout for the ability to share Christ with other people. Look for opportune moments where you could say the right thing at the right time to one of your co-workers. Now, by the way, witnessing to them does not mean that you have to beat them over the head with the Bible. Down through the years, I've seen some employees that carry the biggest Bible to work they can find. And if an employee says the least thing that's unchristian, Boy, they, they get out that Bible and it looks like they want to beat that person over the head with the Bible. Well, first of all, if we're dealing with unsaved, unbelieving employees, you cannot expect them to act in a Christian way. And furthermore, we really shouldn't be surprised at some of the bad stuff they're going to do. But we should always look for loving ways and loving opportunities to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say, serve with good will as to the Lord and not as to men. In other words, it's perfectly all right to see your job as a ministry and take that responsibility just as seriously, hopefully, as the pastor does at the church where you are a member. Um, it says, because you know that the Lord will reward each of you for whatever good he does, 
whether he is slave or free. And he says, and masters. Now here, Paul goes from talking to employees to talking to employers. Do the same for your slaves or employees. Give up your use of threats because you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism in him. In other words, employers are to treat their employees well and, and with fairness and with righteousness and be appreciative for the work that your employees do because if you're a good employer, hopefully you recognize that the success that your business enjoys would not be possible without them. And then, Paul starts talking about the armor of God. The armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. Notice he says the devil's schemes. One thing you can know as a Christian, the devil is always up to something. You might say the devil's always got something up his sleeve. And sometimes it's very hard to figure it out. Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against powers, of this world's darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul talks about the fact that we as Christians, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. Now you would expect a soldier, for example, to train every day for combat. And one of the ways, once again, that we do that as Christians is to stay solid in the Word of God. Paul says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And having done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled against your waist and the breastplate of righteousness arrayed with your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And I think most of us know the devil is always firing those evil arrows at us. He is always attacking us. And when you, um, when you um, start doing something for the Lord, you will see 
how that the devil will fight you at every turn. Then he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times. A lot of times in my particular case, I find myself praying one way or another throughout the day. Sometimes I might be walking through a grocery store, or nowadays more or less, more, more than likely riding in an electric cart through the grocery store. And as I do, I'm, I'm praying. Obviously, in a case like that, I'm praying with my eyes open, but I'm praying. I'm talking to the Lord. And I'm listening, giving the Lord an opportunity to talk to me. You'll find a lot of times the Lord's going to talk to you in that still, small voice. And then... We are told to pray in the Spirit at all times with every kind of prayer and petition. To this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints. In other words, we as Christians, we need to pray for everyone who is a brother or a sister in Christ. We are to pray for everybody. Even pray for those that are not believers. Pray for them. Paul goes on to say, Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me, so that I will boldly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it fearlessly as I should. And just as Paul reminds us as Christians to pray for him, I ask you to pray for me. <laughs> as I've indicated already this week, my hearing is still leaving a lot to be desired. I guess one of my great fears is one of these mornings I'm going to wake up and I won't be able to hear. And so I need Christian people all over America and throughout the world to be able to pray for me that I can hear and more effectively do the job that God has given me to do. And then we come to final greetings. He says, uh, Tachakas, the beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know about me and what I am doing. Now, Tachakas, as I did some research on him, He's one of those guys not very well known. He's not mentioned very much in the Bible. But apparently he was an Asian believer. 
and he actually traveled some of the time with Paul. He was one of the supporters of Paul. We know that he loved the Lord, so he was really a big man in the Lord as far as Paul was concerned. And yet a man we don't know very much about. Now that reminds us, of course, that we need to serve the Lord without a desire to make a name for ourselves, but rather making a name for God. And then Paul goes on to say, Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all, all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Now that brings us to the end of chapter 6. <laughs> now this afternoon it looked like more material than it does now. So we ended up getting to the end of chapter 6 after all. So it looks like this will be after all our final broadcast from the book of Ephesians. And we will go on to the next book of the Bible in the next broadcast. Um, I am trying to get my Bible to work again here. It looks like we'll be going to the book of Philippians starting with chapter 1 on the next broadcast. And that should be a pretty interesting study. And I want you to go ahead and read at least the first two chapters in Philippians. And I'll be doing commentary on that in the very next broadcast. Now I'm recording this uh, program on a Saturday evening. I hope that many of you will go to church tomorrow if you're able to do so and that you will have some great services we want to be sure to pray for the pastors of our churches that they will do the job that the Lord has for them to do and by the way tell somebody about this broadcast we want other people to tune in tell them how you tune in to Sunshine USA and how they can listen also well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.